Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. So welcome back to another episode of The Perfect Storm. Uh, we're excited to have Zach Miller and Johnny Lieberman with us from Workland Partners. Uh, we Harbor has known Workland for, for a couple of years now, I guess, guys, right? Um, maybe not quite that long. Um, you guys are doing over some interesting, yeah, uh, definitely over a year. It was definitely pre-pandemic, right? When we first met. And I don't even know, how did we get connected? I, I think... Um... I actually can't even remember. I can't even remember either. Anyhow. I would guess uh, someone in my old network pointed us in your direction yeah. and, and either introduced us or we we uh, reached out directly. Right, right, right on. Well, so anyhow, uh, guys, why don't you take a couple of minutes and introduce yourselves. Um, I don't know, you, you guys can figure out who's the most handsome and can, can start from there. <laughs> All so right, got to go to Johnny first then. It's an ongoing joke, right, right. Yeah. I got the height, got the, the looks. Right. Yeah, he's got a face for radio. <laughs> face for podcasts. <laughs> right, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll give a little background on myself and, and a little bit on Johnny, and then I'll kick it over to Johnny. Uh, but, but, you know, the, the super high level is Johnny and I have been buddies for nearly 15 years and, and recently went into business together, or I guess not that recent anymore, probably a year and a half ago, um, went into business together, uh, raised a, a fund to invest in and help operate cybersecurity and IT services businesses, kind of more in that lower middle market, middle market world serving the SMB and the middle market customer. So that's, that's, you know, how we know each other and what Workland is. Um, I'll give a little more background on myself just because it informs how we got here and then I'll kick it to Johnny. Um, so before this, I spent time uh, at the Chertoff Group, which is a merchant banking and advisory firm focused pretty much exclusively on cybersecurity and defense tech, gov tech uh, in DC. Also, uh, Spent some time at Okta, which is a big um, identity player, uh, really great company where I got to play the, the corp dev role, um, M&A and corporate venture capital, that type of stuff. Uh, and also spent some time at a VC in Tel Aviv, uh, where obviously there's a lot of great cybersecurity innovation coming out of there. Indeed. So that, that's, uh, that's the professional background. And I'm a I'm a JD MBA dropout, which is a little bit uh, unique, I think. There are not that many of us out there. 
Um, I was at because UPenn most people don't years. most people don't drop out or <laughs> yeah, I think most people finish the degree. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> well, if, um, you the, if you have the if you have like the fortitude to, to to pursue that program, truth, and then drop out, you got to be really crazy. Right on. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I'll, that's a good segue to Johnny because really, you know, in part it was Johnny, you know, convincing me to to do something a little more entrepreneurial with him. Um, and then the two of us gaining so much conviction in, in sort of the opportunity and, and the timing of that opportunity uh, just about, a, you know, two years ago, that was what caused me to say, hey, I'm going to, you know, take some time off of school uh, to uh, pursue this full time with Johnny. Right on. Yeah, so uh, we'll rewind the clock to uh, the fall, I guess it was. It's mid-year, I guess the you know, late summer, early fall, 2019, pre-pandemic. And I was discussing with Zach, you know, my interest in doing something more entrepreneurial. And Zach, you know, always having, you know, been focused on on the cybersecurity space, um, you know, said, listen, I'm I'm open to discussing doing something more entrepreneurial and uh, doing something that involves both investing and operating, but I, I really want to focus focus on cybersecurity. It's just you know a space that's been important to Zach for a long time, and and one I think where we both saw a lot of opportunities. So I said, all right, great. Uh, I said, join me for a, a couple phone calls next week. I didn't tell him a single thing about you know what the phone calls were going to be about or what we were going to discuss. So you know we we I get him on the phone and I dial someone and it was a potential investor. You know, that I had spoken to you before. Zach had no idea, you know, that we were about to call a new investor. And I said, you know, Mr. Investor, it, it's great to speak with you again. You know, we're here, you know, myself and my business partner, Zach, to tell you about, you know, our, our strategy and, you know, the fund we're raising. And Zach was, you know, <laughs> typical Zach, he, you know, he couldn't keep his mouth shut for 10 seconds. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't even know what this guy is saying. I barely know him. Right. <laughs> That's great. Uh, That's the, investor, great. the investor thought we were kidding. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that's how we started. We dove in, right? Literally. And, and well, it know, sounds think, like it sounds like you pushed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, you know, I was certain that there was a huge opportunity um, and that, you know, I think we would be uh, good partners and work really well together and both had kind of that entrepreneurial spirit and it was the right time to do it. Uh, push Zach to, uh, because, you know, when the pandemic hit in, in March to, um, you know, not do Zoom University for his final year and uh, start start this fund with me. Uh, and over Although the to be fair, yeah, I feel like you didn't even, you didn't need to push me on that. Like the original plan was I was going to finish school and then the pandemic hit and I had been on a scholarship that wasn't, you know, I didn't have the scholarship anymore because just the way they structured it. And I was like, I don't, you know, I'm not sure I need to pay all this money for, for online classes when I, right. when I know what I want to do. And, and at that point, Johnny and I had sort of coalesced around a, an industry thesis uh, that was very much pulled from, from my past time um, at, at the, at the Chertoff group. And we had, uh, assembled our initial group of investors and so it was kind of like what am i waiting for here uh, I'm so, ready to, so the, to jump 
Right, right on. So the business thesis is about servicing, uh, providing cyber and cyber related services to the mid market, correct? Uh, I mean, cyber and mission critical IT services. So okay. really becoming that single throat to choke for a customer that is, you know, typically a little less cybersecurity sophisticated. You know, if, you, if you've got, you know, 100 employees, you've got your own incident response team in house, that's, that's probably not who the end customer we're worried about. We're, you know, we, Johnny and I think a lot about, um, you know, the steamship authority in Nantucket uh, or, you know, the, that takes ferries from uh, Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket to, to Boston because Johnny and I grew up in Boston together and they got ransomware, right? And screwed up their whole operations for a whole week. I, I'm not sure if they actually paid out the ransom, but that's the type of company, right? Where, you know, I, I'm not sure that they were necessarily uh, equipped with their own full sure. internal IT security team. Well, and as you as you know, with with Harbor, um, that's exactly what what Michael and I focus on, um, and we came about it and came up with the thesis, let's call it, uh, in a similar way, knowing that it's an underserved market and that there's a there is a, a, a deep need for for those types of services for those companies because, you know, whether they have the wherewithal, the funding, the the capital to make investments in in, in staffing. Uh, and building a cyber-related team or critical IT services-related team, it's going to be hard for them to find them. I mean, yep. if you're if you've spent a lot of time in uh, cybersecurity, really training yourself up, uh, you know the the steamship authority in uh, outside of Hyannis or wherever it is. Um, I, I'm not sure that that's the first place you're going to go. Um, so yep. set aside that the cost associated with building your own team, there's also the staffing problem. So. I think that's it makes for a natural partnership between our two organizations because we're both focused on the same same group of people. Yeah, and, and we're still and we're still holding out hope, Matt, that uh, we can convince you to to, to, to come on <laughs> ten, ten years from now and, and yeah, tell right. us everything we're doing wrong. <laughs> Maybe you have to set up one of those calls where you bring an investor on and just invite me on the call. <laughs> Be like, hey, I've got my two partners on this call yeah, with exactly. you now, right? right. <laughs> It's the only way. If I give you too much time to think about it, it never happen. <laughs> That's right. So tell us a little bit about like what you're seeing in the mid-market as far as 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 the tech that these these firms. So let's 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 agree on one thing. Let's set the compliance complexity to the side. Not that that's not the tail that wags the dog, because many times it is. Hmm. But it's a it's a different conversation, right? As you guys yeah. know. Um, you know, when, when we're dealing with our, our clients and you're, you're talking to potential clients and, and talking to tech and, and investors, et cetera, that everybody knows that compliance is really something that, that keeps uh, business owners up at night because they could lose all of their business, whether it be through, you know, CMMC's type stuff or HIPAA or PC, whatever it might be. But let's talk about the, the tech stack itself a little bit. Um, what, what do you see as like the biggest gaps and, and need inside of inside of that space. And I don't want this to become a, a tech call, um, but what, what, what are you hearing? What are you seeing out there? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think this, this actually does get to the heart of why we're doing what we're doing and the types of firms that we're investing in, which is, I think if you live in this world, as, as I have for the past decade, you hear about endpoint de detection and response tools, 
you know, of course, firewalls you think of as, as almost a thing of the past and you think, oh, gee, everyone's got it. Everyone's got CrowdStrike or Carbon Black or, or something like that. And I think at the large enterprise uh, sort of end customer vertical, if you look there, you're probably right. Like everyone's, everyone's kind of got the key pieces of the tech stack. So that's, you know, some sort of network security and some sort of endpoint security and something to do some cloud monitoring. Um, you've got that tech stack in place. But as you look down market to the middle market into the SMB, you know, this, this ties in with what you're just saying. A lot of folks don't have the internal resources to even correctly manage and tune some of these tools and, and to know what to do with the telemetry that they're providing. If, and we they, think that's if, they, the, if they have the tools. It, exactly. So, yeah. so either that means they are not buying the tools at all because um, they don't even know where to start or they have the tools and they're not getting the value out of them that they want. Right. Um, I, I think that's, that to me is sort of a, a pretty consistent story that we're seeing in, in the mid market. Um, and, and that's why we're investing in sort of the, the people businesses and the managed services businesses that create some outsourced talent that'll tell you how to tune uh, your endpoint tool. And, and I'll tell you what to do with the telemetry uh, that you're seeing coming off all these devices from all these different places. That's right. Yeah. And, and I think one very interesting dynamic that, you know, we kind of clung on to um, at the beginning was this idea that in other verticals, especially in, in spaces where you have tech enabled solutions that are disrupting the space, right? Where, you know, someone comes up with a great technology and, and services become less relevant resultantly. We think it's, you know, and, and, and know at this point that it's the exact opposite in, in terms of security. Right. You know, you have incredible companies like CrowdStrike that, um, you know, are, are producing powerful tools. But in, in this industry, in security, services are becoming more important because the tools are becoming more and more complex. And you have this really interesting, you know, dynamic where services are growing in lockstep with the products, um, and that's not true of other spaces. So I, I think I think that's something that I, you know it's uh, an it's an interesting thought, and 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 it kind of parlays into what I was thinking uh, to play off of what Zach was saying. So the the third leg of that, why the mid market struggles at times, um, kind of sorting out what they need to do in the cyberspace. Um, and not cyberspace, the cyber arena, um, is, you know, we all know that the, the kind of the analogy of whack-a-mole or chasing the shiny object of, of cybersecurity, like this is the new great hot thing that everybody's got to have in their, in their uh, tech stack and to, to protect their environment. And then lo and behold, nine, you know, nine months, 18 months later, it's not the hot thing. And they just spent you know, X percentage of their entire budget to, 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 to accomplish that task. So I think there's, there's a combination of things at play in the mid-market that, that really make it important for A, to have a, a unified solution that you can go bring to them that is malleable enough that changes as the industry changes, as well as wrapping the services, as you've pointed out, Johnny, wrapping the services around it so that they're getting the, and this is kind of a, a shameless plug for us, the advisory services uh, associated with with uh, with cybersecurity, if that makes sense. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I think the the services piece is 
um, you know, critical part of what we're doing. And, you know, I think for the mid-market, especially the point you made about, you know, paying for services uh, in the sense that you're paying for, for someone to keep, you know, their, their eyes and ears open to, you know, the, you know, the, the latest um, right. and helping you go through uh, procuring the right tools. Exactly. So uh, some thoughts, and as you guys, as we were catching up before we got on the Zoom call, um, we talked about, you know, some of the, the, the what your portfolio is starting to look like and um, where you're going with things. And I inserted the term MDR um, and, and uh, Zach kind of laughed a little bit and he, he struggles with the whole MDR, XDR, EDR, the R piece of that. So one, Zach, why don't you take a few minutes and, and tell us about uh, what you what you're thinking along as far as the detection and response services are concerned, and where you think there's gaps? Yeah, sure. Um, I just you know I I chuckle because there's all these acronyms that get thrown around. I think well, security is uh, like the worst one. The that, right? yeah, but yeah. the DRs these days are are the worst offender, I think. And people have different definitions of what's MDR, what's SOC as a service, what's, uh, you know, XDR, EDR, um, NDR, there's a lot out there. Um, and, and I guess what I see consistently, uh, again, you know, kind of with that bias of, of spending a lot of time in the, in the middle market or, or with less sophisticated, you know, less developed security teams is, um, a lot of these solutions aren't really doing the R part, right? There, there's a lot of great options out there for detection. Um, although I think there are ways to, to sort of slice and dice and, and think about, hey, what makes the most sense for my IT environment? Um, are there certain you know, uh, providers that can ingest the, 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 the type of data that I best need to best need to be monitoring and, and where are my crown jewels, so to speak, uh, to, to make that decision. But then when you get to the R part, I think a, a lot of the, the, the solutions that market themselves as MDR or XDR, you know, are, are light on the R of the like, okay, what actually happens when a security incident has been detected? Um, you know, is, it, is my provider going to make changes in my, in my environment or they're just going to give me a call? They're going to send me an email. And how what, do they what know? really what really makes up the response piece of that that R right like right what is that made up of right. what's, the, what's the meat and potatoes of it exactly yeah and I think you know I think there are it's getting it's getting more automated and I think if you you know if you have the right EDR tool in place there's there's some measures that you know you can predefine with your provider and your MDR or managed EDR provider can can take some actions on your behalf to isolate and take offline um, potential threats. But I think still for the most part, what ends up happening is, you know, customers don't want to give the, the keys to, to the full kingdom away. And so there's this, there's this oftentimes um, resulting uh, situation where the customer is getting a phone call or an email and then sort of having to figure it out on the fly with their managed service or their man MDR provider. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes 
that's where these companies can really shine, right? Is if, if you can, if you can navigate that complex situation with the right, you know, a talented team of SOC analysts and engineers and threat hunters and help the customer, you know, react in real time or in near real time. Um, that's, that's where you really provide the most value. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it as these services get more distributed um, or dispersed, I don't know what the right word is. So I have, let's say I'm a, I'm a 200 person company that pours concrete or I build bridges for a living. Um, you know, I, I have technology needs. Uh, I have critical IT services as you would define them. I have most certainly security, uh, you know, potential security issues and things to be concerned with. I may or may not have any regulatory responsibility, but setting that aside. But what I don't have is a team of security engineers. And in fact, I don't even have the magic decoder ring on how to translate those that, you know, maybe I've outsourced my, my, my MDR uh, services. So somebody else is watching to see if I've uh, been hacked. Um, they pick up the phone, they give me a call, they call my IT provider. My IT provider doesn't really know what's going on because they don't have the magic translation ring. So they both get me on the phone. And now I have to kind of, as the, the, the technologist by uh, default at the company, I have to understand all of this mess as it comes in. Um, I think as you, and this all spins back to what Johnny was saying around the services piece, you need to have somebody that, that carries around the decoder ring, somebody that uh, a company, a firm that's providing that R, those R services, the response services that make sense and can translate them for the mid-market user. The enterprise has the people, the mid-market doesn't. 100%. Right, right. So uh, Johnny, I'm flipping it over to you a little bit. Um, are you, what are you hearing from the investment community? Is there, is there lots of investors that are like, yes, let's, let's, let's start a fund. Let's do a roll-up. I mean, as somebody that's been in security for 25 years, the, the threat of a roll-up of, of a mass scale roll-up of all these technology companies um, has been around for quite a long time. Um, what are you hearing and seeing out there from, from the, the, the investor market, let's say? Mm -hmm. So I think one kind of interesting development that we're seeing is, um, you know, a lot of the, the tech-enabled solutions, um, you know, or, you know, managed security service providers, um, you know, that are uh, smaller, are, are really focused on, you know, the mid-marketer or SMB customers. And, and, you know, for whatever reason, a lot of those providers are still, you know, serving more kind of regional customer bases. Right. So, you know, I think, you know, even though, of course, they're serving customers remotely, this, the sales and marketing piece is something that we've seen that's kind of prevented a lot of companies with, with great, you know, tech stacks or, or skilled um, talent from, from growing. And, you know, I think when you look at that, you know, setup, it seems like it would be ripe for, for a roll-up, right? To acquire sure. um, a whole bunch of providers, um, you know, and, and gain access to, to different regional customer bases and be able to kind of land and expand once you have access to customers. But then there, you know, if you're just focusing on security and, and the same type of companies, what's in interesting is a lot of these smaller, you know, MSSPs or MDRs, 
um, have tried to invest in, and come up with a piece of their own proprietary technology. Mm-hmm. So from an investing standpoint, are you going to spend um, and, and pay you know, high multiple, which these businesses expect for multiple pieces of proprietary technology that you know, maybe are duplicative in terms of executing a roll-up and don't make sense. So I think that's one reason that you haven't seen um, in MSSP roll-up with the same you know, velocity or frequency as you're seeing mm-hmm. in the MSP space. Um, and it's, it's ironic, right? Because you see a lot of these firms developing proprietary technology specifically because they think it's attractive to a, a potential buyer. And yes, if, if you can grow and prove that um, you know, you, you have this, you, the, you know, the tech that, you know, that actually works and as well as the people, um, then yes, you know, mm-hmm. those businesses have commanded the multiples that everyone's chasing after. Right. Um, but, you know, there's also the other side where if you have proprietary technology, maybe you're not attractive to, you know, a, a consolidation play that, you know, the private equity firms of the world are, are looking to execute. Right. Right. The other, That's- the other piece of it, I think is, human capital, right? Which is just, we're still, there's, there's the tech enablement and then there's the people. Um, and we talked about the, the talent shortage, which, you know, is, gets written about a lot um, in cybersecurity. And I think what makes all this be even more difficult, and, and I have the sort of battle scars from, from investing in cybersecurity services, add-on acquisitions in the past is, it's hard to keep the talent, right? You, you buy a, a great team and suddenly they're being forced to adapt to a, a new culture. Um, there might be a leadership clash, what have you. And you see talent, you know, walk out the door. So I think right. that's the other challenge uh, to like the services roll up. And then on the, on, if you zoom out and look at the product side, these big product companies, which Johnny as a ex Morgan Stanley tech banker knows this, way better than me, but, you know, there's, there's a, there's always this narrative that there's going to be a roll up in the cybersecurity product space where one large software vendor creates a unified tech stack that that's, that's all you need. You just buy from that one, you know, Palo Alto or CrowdStrike. Those are the, right. Probably the two, two that are getting the most buzz today about building towards that you know, single unified, um, you know, cybersecurity tech stack but it was, solution. But it was FireEye and Symantec, you know, five years ago, maybe Symantec exactly. further, you know, no, 10 exactly. years ago, right. Exactly. And I think it's hard. It's, you know, the adversary is always innovating and it's, it's hard to predict the adversary. And for that reason, you always have to be innovating. And I think the companies that are best positioned to innovate are, are unfortunately these smaller point solutions that are focused right. on one problem set. It's the new problem set. And so what the big boys can do is, you know, once they get to that scale, probably acquire innovation as opposed to uh, trying to, to build it all in-house. And so you get this evergreen cycle of M&A where everyone's always talking about, oh, there's consolidation. There's going to, someone's going to emerge as the single provider, but I don't, I'm not, I'm skeptical that it ever happens. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, having, having been in the startup world for a while now, you know, and with hopes and dreams of being acquired in, in what you've just described, um, I can say, because I'm not playing golf every day, that that hasn't happened for me or the organizations that I've worked for. It's, all, it's always worked out well, but just not, 
to that that magical place. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, I, and I I can't explain it. And I'm maybe I'm just not smart enough to, to to think it through. I don't know if it's the complication of of cybersecurity and the nature of an ever changing adversary, as you've brought up. If it's a complication of terms and it's a relatively new market. Um, relatively compared to maybe IT services in general. Mm -hmm. um, is it a, uh, there's just never been really good leadership at the large companies that are trying to, I, I don't know what the explanation is, but it's really surprising that there isn't um, one giant security company that we can at least complain about. Um, it, you know, like IT guys all get to complain about Microsoft. Yeah, um, yeah. They do a great job of providing services. That's not this conversation, but we don't have that in security. We don't have that one big giant monolith that we say, you know what? They really try, but they stink at what they do. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, um, with that said, I, I want to be conscious of your guys' time and we, we try to keep our podcast to like 25 minutes or so. Um, just, just wrapping it up a little bit. I, I, there's something that we've seen with our client base, we've, we've gotten into, you know, environments that where zero trust plays a lot more of a role and it's the, you know, non-pandemic driven work from home because that's the way the company's been set up. It's all uh, a virtual environment. What are you seeing in the Amazon world that, or Google or, or Azure, whatever you want to say, but AWS world, how do you think that is going to play out in managed services um, and, and, and cyber services uh, going forward where, it, you know, people are helping organizations that play in that space deal with the technology that comes along with an AWS? Uh, sure. Johnny, this makes me think of our Zscaler conversations. Just yeah. Johnny, I don't know if if you want to comment on that, but I think we both agree there's a, you know, just from a public market perspective, there's a lot of room left for a company like that, um, that I think is enabling zero trust, even if you don't think of them as a, you know, zero trust identity player um, in the, in the work from home world. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think you see more and more uh, customers that have uh primarily, you know, cloud services and microservices and, and endpoints that they need to protect. And they don't care so much about the on-prem network. And maybe there really is no on-prem network. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, the, the, the winners in the detection and response game uh, going forward are going to have to be focused on ingesting data from those sources and, uh, you know, keeping the cloud secure. Uh, Cause I think, you know, there is, there's also maybe a bit of mythologizing or overly rose tinted glasses of, Oh, Hey, if we just move to a zero trust, you know, cloud and in, cloud-based infrastructure uh, that actually reduces our security risk entirely. And I don't think that's the case. Right. I think there's still, um, so, yeah. it's just it's sort a, of a new surface area. It's, it's, I think it's amazing how many, um, you know, smaller professional services organizations, primarily like private equity firms or law firms or, um, you know, startups that have this notion that, hey, you know, if we start on the cloud, we only use the cloud, you know, we're safe, we're good. 
And, right. you know, I think AWS has got it. Yeah. Um, I think that's, it's becoming increasingly clear every day that that's not the right uh, perspective. Um, and I think one of the opportunities, you know, specifically maybe an opportunity for businesses, you know, like ours, that's focusing on the mid market where you, we might, you know, start to see more organizations that are, you know, only on the cloud, right? Don't have hybrid environments or, you know, don't have a, a traditional kind of on-prem network uh, to be thoughtful about, you know, wrapping services around pretty complicated tools that are in kind of the early innings of solving this problem. Totally, totally. I, I, I think we, there's a lot to, to learn about that environment as they continue to grow and more companies are either moving there, moving there fully, or just starting their lives in those environments. We're going to get better and better at this. But at least for today, I think the simplest answer is, yes, some of the pressure may have been taken off of an organization because they've, they've cloudified everything, um, but it hasn't eliminated by any stretch, for sure. Um, and I feel right. like there's, Matt, I'm curious if you guys do this, this is, I'll just mention it and leave it as a question is, you know, I feel like there, there'd be a huge demand for what I would think of as like secure cloud forklift, like basically help me migrate to the cloud in the most secure manner and install the three or four, you know, kind of new age security technologies that I need. To, to get the basics of, of a, you know, primarily cloud-based uh, zero trust network uh, secure. Do, do you guys do that kind of thing? Well, we don't. Uh, and I'll, I'll be straight up primarily because we don't have um, the skill set to, to do, to forklift somebody there. Um, we, I mean, we have partners that we work with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, having over the last even pre-pandemic, so the last two years, worked with a number of clients that are either there from the from the get-go or are moving to nearly 100% cloud and want to start looking at zero trust, et cetera. Um, we'll define zero trust on another podcast, people, so tune in. Um, but uh, understanding AWS, I'm not even sure AWS engineers understand, yeah. understand yeah. AWS. Yeah. Um, these microservices, like it's a very complicated environment. Super cool, super powerful, and somewhat. But it takes focus, right? It takes dedication. Oh, to it that. takes dedication. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so we we work with some good partners on that, but um, but you're absolutely right. It it, it is a space for uh, some growth to see where you can help companies move. I mean, we advise companies on how to get to the cloud, but not a from you know on-premise to 100% cloud, we would bring somebody in for that for sure. Cause that is a specific skill set. Yeah, it's a team effort. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're, 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 I wanna again, be conscious of time. As we end every podcast uh, and as I, I kind of prepped you guys, give me a couple of ideas since that you're both here. Although I, I have a feeling it might be one on where we might go, uh, where you would suggest a great place to hang out at the water or on the water in a harbor um, or any beach, um, grab a beer, grab a burger, what have you. Keep you it can, PG, Zach. I love it. Yeah. What's up? I said, keep it PG, Zach. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll say, uh, Johnny, I'll let you say the one we were thinking of, but I mean, the classic for me is 
you know, grew up going to Cape Cod, uh, Wellfleet specifically. Uh, that's why Steamship Authority is near and dear to my heart. And uh, the beachcomber uh, is where my whole family, other than me, actually uh, tended bar or was a bouncer or bar back oh, there. So special, special place in my heart to, to have a beer there. But Johnny and I also have an, an island experience uh, that, that <laughs> where we've had a couple beers in Nevis. <laughs> Yeah. So Johnny, well, give us, Johnny, give us a little detail. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's, we it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful yeah, place. Right? We, when Zach and I had first met uh, freshman year of high school, uh, his parents were nice enough to take us on, uh, to, to bring me along uh, on vacation. And uh, one of our other buddies too. I think we egged each other on a little bit, but I was, I was going through a little bit of a mischievous phase. And uh, I don't think we need to go into full details, but uh, we we all learned uh, a new word, Zach. When when you when you described what almost happened to us, how do, how do you say what what type of prison we almost went to? We almost went. We almost wound up in the Vishen prison, but it, it ended up being a, a false alarm, and uh, we we lived to tell the tale and. Uh, no, never saw the inside of a Caribbean jail. Right. <laughs> and we, can, we can still, we can still check all no's when figuring out right, when, right, when filling right. out the legal paperwork. So exactly, that's hilarious. That's what matters. That's great. Um, have you been back? Yeah. So I, I, you know, we have really close family friends who live there permanently. So I haven't been back in about five years, but been a bunch. It's another near and dear beach to my heart. And just being there in general, it's not even anything specific there. That's just a great place to go, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's less developed, I'd say, than the typical super touristy Caribbean island. Right. Um, it's, it's really kind of left in its original, like natural form um, and, and incredibly kind people. So it's a great place to go. I feel a Harbor Technology Group getaway. And Michael and I will try to avoid uh, Caribbean prison as well. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, I, I think you guys, I think you guys can get into some trouble yourself. <laughs> no, never, never. <laughs> Anyhow. All right, guys. Well, uh, really appreciate the time. It was great catching up. Um, we'll uh, have to catch up again. And um, Johnny, again, congratulations on uh, your nuptials. I appreciate it. Thank you. We, we, uh, we've, we've loved getting to know both of you guys. And like I said, still holding out hope that we can, <laughs> well, we can we'll get there. You yeah, exactly. it, it's, it's, you know, dating is not a quick thing. This is not yeah. a, uh, exactly <laughs> saying, shotgun he's, wedding. Playing, he's, he's playing the long game. <laughs> right. Matt, thank, thank you so much for having us. We, yeah. we appreciate it. It's a blast to, to chat. I hope we can do it again sometime. And by the way, Perfect Storm is an electric name for a podcast. I love it. Ah, perfect. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks All right, so guys. Much, Thanks. We'll see you later. Have a great afternoon. Right. See you. Bye-bye. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses.
We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VC SO consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show. 